Welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast where you will find insight analysis and the story behind the numbers. Hello and welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast series. This is the third of the podcast focusing exclusively on the equity markets and this series on markets is coming to you regularly towards the end of every month. Bringing to you insights from experts on the subject is your host Parvata Vardhani. I am the editor of BL Portfolio Business Line Sunday feature on investments and personal finance. The expert speaker for this month is Mr. Rahul Singh, Chief Investment Officer, Equities, Tata Asset Management. Mr. Singh, a graduate from IIT Bombay as well as IIM Lucknow, has over 27 years of investment experience. He has previously worked with Standard Chartered Securities and Citigroup Global Markets India. as head of equity research welcome uh, mr rahul singh to the podcast very nice to have you thank you very nice to be on your podcast uh so uh this series on markets uh, you are our uh, third guest uh, sir so very interesting times uh, for markets today yeah exactly i think uh, we are seeing a lot of risks also in the market at the same time lot of growth opportunities so it's a, it's a good balance between uh, risk and reward i would say at this point of time okay okay i thought this is a very good starter for the conversation so i was going through your newsletters which is out in your website so the last one was uh, put out in june 23 it's it's titled from the cio's desk i guess so you had talked of uh, india being in a sweet uh, spot you had drawn a quadrant and said you know china's recovery is slow and uh, there's only a shallow recession in the developed markets so actually india is in a sweet spot So, how do you see the scenario today? From when you wrote it, uh, have things changed a lot, or does it remain the same? It remains the same. In fact, it's gone the other way in the sense that uh, instead of a shallow recession, what we are seeing in US at least is that uh, there is hardly any recession. Mm. So we saw that the GDP growth rate is uh, above four percent, comfortably above four percent. Mm. Uh, obviously, some of it could be because of inventory stocking and all that, but. Uh, the point is that there is hardly any recession so you know i think that is increases the risk in some ways because the interest rates are likely to remain higher for longer and also it will result in slightly higher input prices or commodity prices so it's not exactly a best situation from an indian market perspective but overall i think um, everyone is still of the view that this is a temporary kind of uh, respite before we see actually the gdp growth numbers coming down again in us mm-hmm. uh, china anyway is a slower growth and uh, european region is anyway on a slower growth trajectory so it's only the us which is right now bucking the trend mm-hmm. and uh, the only other equation which has entered this whole sweet spot which is negative for india is is what happens to food prices if the geopolitics really flares up so yeah. i would say at the margin things are uh, things have turned uh, very slightly negative from a complete sweet spot scenario we are not in a completely sweet spot scenario we are slightly uh, away from that but still i think the overall balance is still tilted towards one being uh, positive from an economic perspective 
Okay, okay. Uh, so the Indian equity markets have definitely uh, reacted to the uh, geopolitical scenario that you were just talking about, mm, the uh, conflict going on is in Israel. So, and uh, there's also this bond yields, uh, which has been rising in the US, and you also spoke of uh, interest rates remaining higher for longer. So, uh, while, uh, yes, uh, we do, you do recognize the risks. So what uh, further downside uh, is there for the markets from here on? I think the downside is uh, if the interest rates remain high. See, one is it's it's mostly macro, mm. and it's mostly global macro where mm. which can uh, provide or create a downside. Uh, given that uh, if the interest rates remain high, it's obviously negative for equity valuations across the board, and generally negative for risk assets because mm. you're getting almost a risk-free return of five percent in US. So any risk asset will be evaluated much more stringently and which is one of the reasons why we still see um, FII selling persisting in the Indian market despite the economic fundamentals being much better than other emerging markets. Mm -hmm. So that's clearly the, the risk factor which can create downside. Uh, difficult to quantify the downside because that's more technical in nature and that will be a result of uh, how much uh, imbalance there is between domestic flows and uh, domestic inflows and global outflows. So it's uh, it's hazardous to guess uh, how much downside. But I would say the base case scenario for me is that market uh, remains sideways or or consolidates at these levels uh, for some period of time. Which I think will be a healthy thing to happen if that. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, it, it... By saying that it's a healthy thing to happen, you mean that uh, there is uh, some uh, kind of a slight overvaluation currently which will get uh, corrected. What is your view on uh, current valuations? It's more to do with the fact that if that healthy balance does not remain and if we get into a situation where we have uh, too, many, too much money chasing too few stocks, mm -hmm. we typically tend to create a bubble. So a uh, healthy situation is one where we are able to buy what we want to buy at the prices at which we want to buy. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is what I think the current situation uh, or plus minus, you know, minus, you know, minus three, five percent market level. Mm -hmm. and, and if that kind of extends to six, nine, next six to nine months, I think it's a healthy situation because uh, we would have formed a good base, a better base. Uh, for uh, the markets to perform from there on for the for the forthcoming uh, year, which is fiscal twenty five, mm -hmm. um, and and I think that's what I meant by healthy situation. I uh, obviously you know markets are not cheap, mm -hmm. but they are not in a bubble either, or they are not in a zone where I would you know, press the panic button uh, as of now uh, in terms of overvaluation. Okay. So, so yes, uh, yeah. So Nifty at nine. Nifty at 19 times is uh, about 5-10% more expensive than the average uh, PE for the last 10 years. Uh, so, so obviously it's not cheap, but it's also one has to remember that uh, the Nifty valuations are higher because uh, of the good things which are happening in the economy currently, which is the revival of the capex cycle, revival of uh, manufacturing as a sector, revival of real estate. Uh, banking sector being strong, manufacturing uh, sector being strong, and the corporate sector in general being in a strong situation in terms of a debt equity and leverage perspective. So a lot of combination of factors 
is resulting in that uh, premium uh, valuation. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. There are suggestions from every uh, quarter today uh, to look at large caps and tread carefully on mid and small caps. So, uh, would you uh, extend this uh, positivity to mid and small caps as well in today's scenario and uh, say that they are still not in, not in bubble zone? Uh, or do you agree with the view that, you know, it is better to look at uh, large caps now? I think I'll agree to the view that uh, large caps are offering better risk reward at this point of time. Mm. Um, because simply because uh, they have not uh, performed and their growth continues to be pretty decent in a lot of sectors, which includes banks and capital goods, um, even pharma to that extent. Mm. Which is going through a bit of a uh, uncertain phase, which can continue for the next 6 to 12 months. I think the rest of the sectors and the rest of the large cap sectors are, is, are doing fairly well. And uh, valuations compared to mid and small cap have become more reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not to say that there are no opportunities in mid and small cap because what you have to also understand and, uh, and appreciate is that when the economy moves from just being consumption-oriented to consumption plus investment-oriented one, uh, there are more opportunities which come up in the mid and small caps as well. Because most of the sectors which are doing well now have not done well over the last 10-12 years and now they've started to do well. Uh, predominantly the infrastructure, capital goods, manufacturing and real estate sectors. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you will find uh, more companies which are exposed to these sectors in the mid and small cap space rather than the large cap space. Okay. So we remain constructive on the small and mid cap space. But obviously... In this period of the next three to five years where we think mid and small cap can still outperform large caps, there would be periods when mid and small cap run a little bit ahead of their time. They consolidate, large caps outperform and then the mid and small caps catch up. So we've just completed one such phase, I think, mm-hmm. where mid and small caps ran very, very hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have reached a point where in the near term, uh, uh, only in the near term, the large caps seem like uh, they are offering better value. Okay, okay. So you're saying for uh, people with, uh, say, a three or a five-year perspective, uh, small and mid caps can still be good picks today in the segments that you were talking about? Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, we are very um, constructive and that's why I said it's a healthy consolidation or a correction which has happened because it also allows us to um, buy things or buy stocks which we want to buy at the price at which mm-hmm. I think that's the most important. The last part is the most important part mm-hmm. because if you don't do that uh, and repeat what happened in 2017, mm-hmm. uh, then um, then you know uh, it takes two three years for the returns to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so does this also align with your uh, philosophy, which uh, you have always been? Uh, indicating in your writings or when you uh, speak so this is uh, you look at stocks uh, with a uh, uh, growth at uh, a reasonable uh, price kind of a scenario rather than uh, looking at stocks from a value perspective or a growth perspective so uh, is this in line with the philosophy of the fund house yes that's the uh, those are the guardrails with which we invest which is garp and we have defined garp uh, or growth at reasonable price, we have further broken it down into uh, three segments. 
and uh, uh, and therefore the entry point of valuation becomes an important call of course you are if you are investing in a consumer sector and a consumer fund uh, it is less of a factor but by and large for diversified equity funds and for all our funds growth at reasonable price is the driving force okay and 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 that kind of ties up with uh, what we are what we are doing in terms of uh, what what we were talking about large caps being slightly better value than mid and small cap okay okay and uh, this uh, philosophy is uh, across uh, timelines uh, isn't it sir so or uh... Uh, is it for applicable for today's market condition? You think uh, uh, GARP is the best uh, approach in today's market conditions? I think it's a it's a timeless approach. The reason sometimes uh, it gets overshadowed by growth or quality is when the interest rates are low and liquidity is ample. Mm. I, now we saw that period between say two thousand fifteen to twenty and specifically in two thousand twenty and twenty one. Uh, but those are periods uh, which kind of smoothen out over a 10-year, 7-year horizon. And uh, therefore, uh, I, I don't see that as a permanent kind of a feature where uh, growth and quality will continue to overshadow valuations long. Um, uh, and vice versa. So I we also don't believe in uh, deep value as a philosophy because India is a growth market. Mm. So we will always look for growth. Mm. Um, we will never buy uh, companies or sectors just for the value part of it or just because they are offering dividend yield. Unless mm. and until we see growth coming back in the sector or the company for whatever reason uh, we uh, in there might be, uh, we will not buy value for the sake of value. And and that's also an important distinction to, to make. Therefore, I think it's a timeless uh, approach. Mm. Um, uh, specifically for India, I think growth has to be central. So we cannot have a deep value approach uh, because you could have long periods of uh, underperformance on that. And uh, therefore, GARP is a good uh, mix of uh, finding growth at a reasonable value. So, so where do you find uh, opportunities uh, applying this uh, principle uh, today? So we are seeing uh, opportunities today in uh, power sector mm. uh, where we think valuations are reasonable and uh, and there is there is enough uh, and plenty of uh, uh, changes happening in the sector or the demand outlook for us to be positive on certain parts of the power sector uh, we also see uh, some signs of recovery and valuations being reasonable in the pharma sector uh, so those are the two, from a sector perspective, these are the two sectors I would highlight. And of course, uh, as I mentioned, uh, that large caps are offering relative value compared to mid and small caps. Within large cap, I would say the large cap banks, mm. large private sector, as well as public sector banks are today quite uh, uh, fairly or uh, less than fair value priced as compared to, uh, you know, the other sectors when I compare. So these are the two, three kind of areas where we are seeing uh, GARP related opportunities in the market. Great, great. Uh, so you were talking about, uh, you know, the uh, CAPEX uh, theme. So uh, doesn't it seem to have played out a lot, a lot of your capital goods, defense, industrials, Infra, they, these stocks have moved up extremely sharply. So, but actually, how is the capex turning out on the ground? Is it as per uh, expectations that have been uh, built in? Uh, 
Yes, I think so. In some cases, it is uh, even uh, higher than expectation. Mm -hmm. So, so it is clearly something which is uh, which is not just a theme or not just a good thing to talk and write about. It is actually happening on the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to be watchful and see whether any of the drivers of capex slows down, which is government capex, private capex, or real estate, which is the household capex. Uh, uh, till now, we don't see any signs of any slowdown in any of these segments. And um, even in the order books, when we see of the companies, whether they are in construction or capital goods, it is reflecting that uh, positivity. So yes, I think uh, we are uh, we are continuing to be. I would say we from an early cycle we have reached mid cycle, but you know we it's it's we some distance before we reach late cycle. Kind of a situation. Okay, so you see further upside uh, for these stocks? Yes, some of the. So again, now here it becomes more of a case to case. Uh, okay. When it comes to stock selection, it becomes more of a case to case because you are right that some of the sectors, some of the sub segments of capex have also run up very hard, like defense and railways. Mm -hmm. So we need to be selective and we need to be uh, very cognizant of the valuation part. And which is where our philosophy also comes into play and, and keeps a check on um, how much risk we should be. Because risk not only goes up uh, because of um, outlook from the pro earnings point of view, but risk also goes up when valuation. Correct. So, so therefore, we cannot be totally blind to the fact that um, the risks have also gone up at these values. So we have to be practical and we have to keep balancing our portfolio to the extent that we are not taking excessive risks while remaining positive on these things. Okay, okay. So in, in Q1, now the result season is going on. So in Q1, we did see low to mid single digit revenue growth, but then, you know, the PAC growth was very healthy uh, based on lower costs. So what is your reading of the Q2 results uh, so far? And what is your expectation for the rest of the year? So a uh, good thing is that... Uh, Q2 results are broadly panning out very similar to Q1. Mm -hmm. um, we have seen disappointments in IT, but we have seen solid performance in banking. Mm -hmm. um, we have seen um, good recovery in pharma. We have seen uh, rural consumption not being great, but companies still delivering good profit growth because of the margin expansion. Uh, the only change from Q1 to Q2, or rather, con uh, or rather a slowdown or a Disappointment has been obviously urban consumption where uh, that continues to slow down. So it's always a mixed bag, and like all the quarters, uh, this is this is no different. And in the Indian context, uh, you know, it's very difficult to generalize quarter uh, without talking about it individually. Um, and and that's really the case. The good part is that despite all the um, you know minor disappointments or excitements in the earnings season. The overall profit forecast for fiscal 24 and fiscal 25 is not changing much. It's not getting downgraded or upgraded. It's remaining steady, which is good news because typically uh, this is a this is an acid test uh, when, we, when we come to the middle of the year and typically we have had years when we have had massive downgrades to the profit forecast. That's not happening uh, this year. Okay, that's good to hear. So, uh, what is your expectation per se for the earnings for the Nifty for FY24? 
Yeah, so we are expecting about fifteen uh, percent, uh, fourteen okay. to fifteen percent growth, okay. and about um, similar growth in fiscal twenty five. Okay, so early part of the fiscal, the consensus was also around fifteen to twenty percent. So you're saying that is intact, like uh, how you explained in your previous uh, uh, response. So uh, there's no need for any uh, uh, room for uh, error because of these uh, global macroeconomic uh, developments. Well, there is, I mean, it's obviously something to watch if crude prices go up or if commodity prices in general go up. Because one of the saviors for the earnings growth for Indian uh, corporates this year has been that the margins have been supported by lower commodity prices. Not just crude, but in general other commodity prices. Yeah. Uh, and if that starts to change, and that is not just dependent on the geopolitical situation, but also dependent upon if China starts to grow again, then of the commodity that mm -hmm. doesn't seem to be happening it's not a risk which is seems to be real at this point of time mm -hmm. but that can that can result in meaningful uh, earning cuts mm -hmm. if that happens mm -hmm. okay okay but so far no reason to worry that, that's what uh, uh, you are you are telling us actually yeah so far on the balance no reason to worry obviously there are some sectors which will do uh, worse than expected. There are some sectors which will do than expected. Mm -hmm. But uh, on the balance, when we look at Nifty 50, it is um, it, it is balancing out or it is cancelling each other out. In the beginning, sir, you spoke about, uh, you know, outflows, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, US interest rates uh, going up and all that. So how do you see, uh, you know, emerging markets per se and India among emerging markets? So... How do you see these things, uh, you know, affecting uh, emerging markets, including India from now on? So if the interest rates uh, go up, uh, like I was mentioning, the risk, uh, risk assets like emerging markets obviously tend to uh, get outflows, and uh, which is what seems to be happening if you look at the, uh, the continued FII selling, which is there. Uh, how long that continues is a function of what happens to the interest rates in the U.S. and what happens to the U.S. economy. Uh, so therefore, uh, when going back to the earlier first question which you had asked about the sweet spot, the sweet spot for India would be if there is a shallow recession in the U.S. Why do I say that? Is If, let's say, a shallow recession means not even a recession, a shallow slowdown, I would say, Recession seems a little bit far-fetched in the U.S. right now. So if from a 4% GDP growth rate, if U.S. drops down to again 1.5% GDP growth rate, that will be ideal for uh, Indian equities because two things will happen. One, commodity prices will remain under control. And also the interest rate cycle, which seems to be having a risk of upside, will have a risk of downside in the sense that you might again start to see 10-year bond deals in US drifting down. That will again be positive for the emerging markets as a space. And once that happens, India will get a slightly higher share of the inflows as and when that happens. Even that as an emerging market, India is doing much better, uh, much better in terms of economic growth rate and the health of corporate and banking sector as compared to the other emerging markets. Right, right. So, so maybe it takes 6 months, maybe 12 months, but that's the way to go. Okay. So you expect India to continue to do better than the other emerging markets, is what you're saying. That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. 
Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for your time, sir. Very interesting uh, insights. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast and uh, hope your viewers find it useful. Sure, 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 sir. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah.